0: Everybody finds their own hard. Somebody's hard could be a 5K. Somebody's hard could be doing their mile walk in a day. And I think that's, well, nobody should look at 100 miles or a mile any different. I, I think because we don't understand how each one's in their own shoes. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that as long as everybody's accomplishing their own hard, is, is, is all we can ask for, I think, moving forward and, and trying to do the best that they can every day. Welcome to the Forging Metal Podcast. With your blacksmiths, Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr., come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden the up. Let's get to work. The forge is now open.
1: I'm excited to welcome to the podcast a good friend of mine, somebody that I would say I've I've probably covered, dare I say, thousands of miles with, either on a bike or, or running. He's a multiple Ironman finisher, uh, a Leadman finisher, which if you're not familiar with that, you have to complete uh, five races in the Ludville uh, Race Series. So it's a pretty daunting task, and, and two of those races are a 100-mile mountain bike ride and also a hundred mile run. So it's it's pretty daunting. And then for fun this summer, he decided to expand his resume to North Dakota to do the Matahe run and bike. It's 107 miles through the Badlands. And because he did both the, the run and the bike, he gets to wear the title of a Matahe madman. I am very excited to welcome to the show Brad Anderson, who's also the father of two wonderful young men that I've spent a lot of time with as
0: well. Thank you.
2: Brad, thanks for coming on. And I'm just going to chime in with, after that intro and say you're one hell of a crazy guy um, doing some crazy stuff. And dare I even need to ask how you and Ron know each other?
0: It comes from uh, endurance events where we've met one another. I started off at... uh, I
1: think it was on a trail run in in Boulder. A trail run run. Uh,
0: We we kicked off with Ryan. We were going to do training both for the 100, Leadville 100 run.
1: Yeah, so that's how it kicked off.
2: I've heard these crazy stories from you too about, you know, 100-mile runs on Saturday followed up by a leisurely 50-mile bike ride on Sunday, which just hurts me inside, but what I really want to get to before we talk about all that stuff is I want to get to how the hell do you do all of this stuff with type 1 diabetes?
0: It's it's definitely been a challenge uh, and a learning lesson, managing your levels of sugars and how you can still function properly and still do nutrition at the same time.
2: Can you give us some of the backstory? I mean, this hit you before you were 40. How did this all kind of come about? And how, did it, how old were you? How did you find out? Like, were you in the middle of a run? What happened?
0: So 2017, I was training for the Leadville 100. Uh, there was a week before me and my wife, Katie, we were going to do a trail run the week before and we were driving to Boulder. And uh, it was Saturday morning and I couldn't see the road signs. And then I really struggled with it and I like kept it to myself a little bit before I, Mentioned it to her about that I couldn't see these road signs So we we went and did our training run and then I went to the eye doctor a an eye doctor appointment for Tuesday And I went to the eye appointment and he told me I had 2080 vision And I was kind of skeptical because I was like I could see on Friday and I lost my vision by Saturday morning And but good and bad yeah I didn't didn't buy a pair of glasses because I didn't believe in it But I was fortunate enough to still go and finish the Leadville 100 with about 1,500 calories because my body was so full of sugar, I did not want to eat anything.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's amazing right there. So you basically, for listeners that are following along, he did a 100-mile run not knowing at the time that he actually had type 1 diabetes. So he, he went through that race diminished. We'll just say he was diminished and still finished. And so that's that's a, one of the stories that's, that's pretty amazing about Brad.
0: Yeah, I, I can remember my wife and I, 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 after up over Hope Pass, she dropped me off from my best friend, Jake. And she's like, you got to make sure he eats. He's not eating. And But I, like, I had to confess to him that my body was full of sugars at the time because I could not use any sugars because I wasn't producing any insulin to, to use those sugars.
2: So when you find that out, you know you're feeling pretty bad, and then you get the the actual diagnosis from a doctor, and your life is all athletics and and ultra running. What did that do to you?
0: Uh, I what think did that for, mean? I think for me, I just embraced it. I guess they told me this is what I had, and I just went on from that because I didn't know you couldn't do any different. So I just took insulin to create my levels equal the best I can. And I just kept pursuing. I still had my goals in my head, what I wanted to achieve, and just kept following them. And just because I had that d- type 1 diabetes wasn't going to deny me of what I wanted to accomplish.
1: And that's amazing. So you knew or, or you, were, you were an endurance athlete before you were diagnosed with type 1 ba- diabetes. Did it slow you down at all, do you think? Uh, or was it pretty much uh, just keep on rolling?
0: I, I think there was a bit of learning curve to get healthy. again. I think mental, mental wise, I don't think I let it slow me down at all. But I, I think my body wise wasn't quite matching where I was mentally. I think my mind was stronger than what my body was actually at the level to achieve some things. I thought I could still do things. And my body's like, uh, you, you need to fix some stuff before you can achieve some of these things at the same level.
1: Wow. And so do you feel like oh. you're back up to that level where where you were before? Now that you've tweaked the system, so to speak.
0: I I think we have room to grow, you know, we we talked about this till I'm 50. I think I can continue to grow. So.
2: (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I I love that you said my mind was stronger than my body. And I have to ask, you know, a lot of us, when something like that happens, even when we get a setback of any magnitude, let alone uh, a lifelong health issue, we take a couple of days and, and we cry about it and we kind of go into, you know, the depression or whatever comes with that. It may be a, cu- a couple of weeks or months or years of I'm just going to give up. It doesn't sound like you did that. Why? Where do you think that comes from?
0: Boy, I tell you, I lost the state title my senior year that I that I wanted. To, I, I worked so hard to be a state champion wrestling and I lost in the semis and it, and it really hurt. And I think since then I've always tried to pursue no matter what the avenues were I wasn't I I wasn't going to fail and I wasn't going to dwell on any of the bad I was just going to keep moving forward
1: and I I appreciate that you bring that up because in our first podcast I talk about if you've listened to the first podcast and I hope you have I, I make a comment about my training partner saying keep moving forward with a smile and this this training partner that I was referencing is is sitting right here with me. That that's Brad. So that you know this this podcast is about metal and you know moving forward with a spirited and resilient attitude. And so that's how I shorten it. I say keep moving forward with a smile. So I learned that from Brad, and uh, Brad is the epitome of that. Of all the miles that we've covered, I've seen him on the struggle bus, but he's always got a smile. And he always has a good attitude, even when things hurt. And, and I think that is that uh, tells you a lot about who Brad is. But I think th- the more important thing is it rubs off on everybody around you. When we go on group runs, people see your attitude, and I, I think that it really permeates through the group. And do you do that intentionally? Do you say I need to put on a, a good attitude for the group, or is that just the way you are?
0: I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's necessarily for the group. I think it's probably how i get through it okay uh, it, it's because i don't i don't think you can be successful if you're thinking about all the bad you know back to riding bulls back in the day you know i listened to gary LaFeu and he had uh, such a positive attitude and then he any, any bad thought he replaced it with two good thoughts two positive thoughts so the more positive you can be the, the more positive the outcome
2: Brad, do you have anybody in your life that takes the opposite approach that you do and really kind of turns toward the negative? I mean, there's a lot that you could think is going pretty negatively in our universe right now. Do you, do you ever? Are you ever around those people? And if you are. What do you do to help pull them out or what advice do you have for people that kind of get stuck in the negative aspect rather than the positive?
0: Don't use any names. Uh, uh, I think (laughs) I surround myself with pretty positive people, but there there are definitely people that can definitely see the doom and gloom of what's going on. And and it's not easy every day. I mean, there there are situations where, where it is tough and not everybody is happy with what's going on. But I, I think it just still goes back to the replacement of, of one bad thought with two good things. You know, you might not be able to do one thing here, but you can do two things here. Uh, and I think you need to keep moving forward with the positive side of it.
1: You know, I'm going to make the assumption, and maybe maybe I should make this assumption. You use this strategy, you know, when you're running a 100-mile race. I've seen you <laughs> in rough shape. I've seen you with blisters on your feet that, that would, you know, make most people cry how, is, is that as simple as, yeah, my feet hurt like hell, but I'm going to replace those bad thoughts with a good thought? I mean, what does that look like in, in real time?
0: I can tell you that the, the, the feet hurt bad enough to walk on, and, and when I ran on them, it was a little less than walking. So it was better to run.
1: There's a positive attitude right there.
0: Yeah, I think right. th- there, are, there are times just that the, the, everybody goes through ups and downs, and, and it's going to change. And it, it depends on how long you want to dwell on the lows and how long you want to dwell on the highs.
2: Just getting diagnosed with it doesn't have to be type one diabetes. It can be any any ailment or disease.
0: Highs are amazing to be on, but th- th- they come down too. So you need to find a balance uh, between the two.
2: Wow, I love that. How how do you to someone imagine? And maybe you've had this experience, but. Someone that, if you had the chance to sit down and be kind of the first person that that person talked to after they heard that news, what would you share with them, or what advice would you give them?
0: I, I think looking back now, sometimes I need to take my own step back and realize that not everybody looks at things the same way I do, and you 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 can't just assume that somebody's ready to take the positive step forward. Sometimes you need to allow them people to understand actually what's going on with their situation and be comfortable with it before they can go forward i just took what i was diagnosed with and said okay this is what i have and this is how i move forward Uh, some people might need the week or two but i i would give that that person the encouragement every single day in order to we can take that step forward
1: that leads into a good a good question and and I've, I've actually had students that had type 1 diabetes, and I actually got you in touch with one of them. And, and I know, Brad, you and I have talked about this idea that, that a lot of the advice that, that type 1 diabetics get from doctors is certainly not to run 100 miles, but it, it's really to take it easy. And you have kind of broke through this idea that you, of course, you are very active and, and you do this with type 1 diabetes. So what's your message to others that say, I want to be more active. I'm type 1 diabetic, and I want to be more active. What advice would you have for them?
0: I, I think it's definitely a, a positive thing to keep moving forward. And I think people have been told that they couldn't do those things, which is unfortunate. But everything's changed so much in what we know about type 1 diabetes and what we can achieve. But you also have to listen to your body and know your body. But I, I did go, how ironic it ever is, though, I, I do have a DNF on, on my side of, and then that is a do not finish. On my side of races, and that happens to be a uh, Type One 2D Cure, uh, Colorado. Where I had a bike break on me, mile eighty, and I was not able to finish the race. I asked for a pair of running shoes. I had like four hours. I'm like, I can run this twenty miles if I could get a pair of shoes instead of running my bike shoes. But uh, no go. They brought me in in, uh, in a car, and uh, they're like, "That's really great that you're uh, you're out here as a Type One diabetic, th- diabetic doing this bike ride for a hundred miles." And I was kind of taken back a little bit because I was. I was like, I don't know why you can't, you know, we have another friend that I think inspired her to run her first marathon this year. She's a type one diabetic. She just passed her nursing degree, you know, and, and she was just always told she couldn't do these things. And then when she met me, she's like, I, you do these things. And I'm like, I didn't know you can't, you know, you know, say I won't and I will. So.
1: Uh, and that's what, what
2: was she- that? Say you say I
0: can't or say I won't yeah, and yes. I will? Say I
2: won't and I will. I love that. I'm totally feeling that. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, Go ahead. No, no, go, go, Tara. What that does is it makes me think of when you're talking about kind of having to bail out of a, of an eight, I think you said 80 mile race. What is that? 'Cause there's gotta be some type of a feeling of failure there, Brad. Do you oh. feel that? Is that a failure? Is that a success? Like how do you uh, frame that for yourself when something like that happens?
0: Well, I mean, even even though it was out of my hands, so that's like I've always been afraid of a bike race because there are mechanical things that can go with my bike that are out of my control. If it's running or something that I I'm nothing's gonna break on me, well if so I break my leg or if ankle or something could take me out, but mechanically that's not it's not going to take me out of a race. I think I can achieve most things. But when that, hub, when that bicycle hub broke, you know, it, that took me out of my control. Even on the Madaje trying to complete the Madman, I had some issues with my bike, and that scared me. I'm like, really, I'm four miles in. I'm having these issues. I got 104 more miles to go. and uh, But we struggled with it for, like, 15, 20 minutes and got through it, and we completed the race. But...
1: Yeah, well, l- let's let's pause right there and let l- give the listeners a little insight. I-, I thought this was incredibly creative of you um, in the middle of your race, the Matahe 100. So he's, it's a it's a hundred roughly seven miles of, of mountain biking, and you were not far into that. And what happened? The seat post,
0: seat post. Yeah, the the seat post clamp. Uh... Stripped out, so my seat just went to the bottom of the bike frame. I tried to tighten it up once and then I still kept climbing the switchbacks and it even it even got worse. So I ended up taking my whole bike seat off, the collar off, switching it around, and I'm like, oh man, what am I gonna do? And I'm kinda a little worried. But I grabbed my own wrench, I'm like, there's gotta be another four millimeter bolt on this bike. You know, and I found one out of the steering post and I took that one off and it had Loctite on it and ran it in my, my seat post collar and you know, we rode it off in 104 miles.
1: And if the listeners aren't following this, this is the beauty of find a way, right? This is, there's so many people that would just say, you know what, my day's over, I give up. Uh, There's nothing I can do about this. And you uh, absolutely would refuse to do that. I know you well enough to say, you're going to find a way. And and I, I don't know how many people would have thought to look on another part of the bike to steal a screw to fix your seat. So I thought that that was pretty telling of your personality. I mean, you are somebody that, again, finds a way. Right, thank you. You know, I want to go back to this idea of failure and, and I'm laughing as you're speaking because Brad and I have talked about this before and, and I know you kind of carry this around this DNF at this race that really had nothing to do with you. Was, your bike broke.
0: And it wasn't even a race. It was a fun Well, race. yeah, <laughs> that too, that too. I just didn't get to the finish on what it's, I started with.
1: It's a recreational ride for, for diabetes and, and yeah, you didn't finish. And so, that seems to bother you. So, so I guess my question to you is: is what is what is failure? I mean, how would you define failure? Is that is that as simple as not finishing a race, or is it is it more nuanced than that?
0: I would believe failure is if I didn't if I didn't push to my ability. If uh, and there could be a race I don't finish someday, but knowing I gave it my all, I'm accepting of that. Okay, it's, it's when did, did I have something more to give? Did, did, you know, did I, did I lose out on an opportunity to complete this? You know, I can be frustrated about the bike up, but that, that is a little bit out of my hand, but it, it just, you know, it, it, it frustrated me a little bit, you know, it, it, it's there.
2: Okay. I just got to break in with the question that's maybe, maybe burning in many other people's minds listening right now, but it's burning in mine. You two do a lot of running and racing together. I think a few weekends ago you went to South Dakota to hike one day bike another day over 100 miles and then follow it up with a a little run so why do you guys do this from both of you like why do you do this to yourself what is the the ultimate intrinsic motivator there
0: well casual time together you know (laughs) i wouldn't say it's casual though 100 miles is never really casual no matter what you do it's still 100 miles on a bike The, the friday leading up to it ron was amazing for us me and my wife katie we took off on a on a 28-mile run, and he, he crewed us, supported us. We, we had some hard issues going on, definitely our own challenges, and he met us, met us midway, helped us through I, an amazing I, point. I had a beer in hand, <laughs> and, and, and I cheered him on. Yeah. And we, we took off on uh, the Centennial Trail 89 to South Dakota. Never been on it, didn't know where we were going. Barely found Ron at the end of it. You know, no service, but dark. When we may and we saddled up the next day to do uh, hundred ten miles on the Monday hey, as a, as a group. What, what what challenges or what brings that out of us? I think it's, I, th- I think everybody likes to know what their limit is a little bit, know where their challenge is, and th- I think that's what kind of you surround yourself with like minded people, and that's what happens on the weekend when you get too many like minded <laughs> people together. <laughs>
1: So, so if I'm if I'm interpreting this right, you I like to use the I, I use this this phrase of of getting out on the frontier, and what I mean by that is our limitations are out there somewhere, and and it's almost like you need to go out there and explore and say, okay, where are my limitations? So, if I'm hearing you right, you guys you guys just like to to get out there on the frontier and see, okay, what can we do? And you guys have both you and your wife, Katie. Katie's also a good friend of mine and I've run thousands of miles with her too. You guys have done amazing things, but, but I kind of go back to Tara's question. What keeps you going? I mean, you've already done amazing things. Is it still to continue to just do amazing things or is it to say, let's see if we can keep pushing these limits?
0: I think there are definitely higher limits to go. I, I, do you have kind of a crazy idea for next year? You know, I don't know if I can say that or not. Or,
1: uh. You can say anything you want, my friend. I don't know if you want to say it.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can say it. You know, I don't know if it happens or not. But you know, I, I did the hey Madman this year. You know, Leadville Leadman was was canceled for uh, 2020. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity in my future. Maybe it's not 2021, or maybe it's later down the road. But you know, I think I will do all four hundreds in a year with the with the Leadman. And then I, I you know. 150 or 200 miles are probably out there so
1: where 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 does this end is there a retirement for brad and katie
0: <laughs> i i boy does it end it depends on how long many days they allow us to run high mileage you know <laughs> i i think for the next couple of fairly good years we definitely got some 100 miles, some 50 miles. i think maybe sometimes it's it, it's what the journey is i think versus uh I don't even want to say journey because journey comes to an end. So I, I think it's about the adventure. I think the adventure keeps going. Uh, and I, I think, I think it's something we love to do together. It's a challenge. It's, it's good and bad. It's a learning lesson. I mean, it's, it's life. It's a solid life lesson in a weekend.
1: Oh, I, I Tara, I'm sure you have a question that's just queued up, but I, I got to jump into that one. You know, one of the things that that I get from my friends is number one, they think I'm crazy for the things I do, and, and I'm not even at the same level as Katie and Brad. But why do you do? You know, I get the question, why do you do this? And what are you getting out of this? And so, I want to circle this back to most of the people listening have no desire to run 100 miles, let alone you know maybe even a marathon. And so, how? What do you learn from this, Brad, that you can take into your your life that that maybe listeners would go, okay, I understand that. I don't understand 100-mile running, but I can understand that lesson.
0: And and I think it doesn't have to be 100 miles. Uh, Nobody needs to look at anything hard as 100 miles. Everybody finds their own hard. Somebody's hard could be a 5K. Somebody's hard could be doing their mile walk in a day. And I I think that's... No, nobody should look at 100 miles or a mile any different, I, I think, because we don't understand how each one's in their own shoes. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that as long as everybody's accomplishing their own hard is, is, is all we can ask for, I think, moving forward and, and trying to do the best that they can every day.
2: And you're not just doing it at work or out on the road when you're racing. You're doing it at home, too, with two boys. And I'm I, you gotta. going to pry into your personal life here, because we've talked before, and I've heard the word "I put my children through boot camp" come up somehow uh, <laughs> out there in conversation. How do you bring all of what we're talking about here to the way you're raising your two boys? Yeah, well, first but, of all, tell us how old they are and and, and give everybody kind of a little background there.
0: Uh, Cooper right now is 15 and Cale is 11. Uh, and they they you could say boot camp. Uh, I, th- I
2: think that I use that <laughs> word.
0: But a boot camp with enjoyment, you know. There, there, there are times of struggle, but nothing, nothing good comes easy, and and you don't know how hard you can push until you push, and how thankful you can be for what you accomplished. You know, three years ago, they both did their first half marathon. Cooper was twelve at the time, and Kale was uh, eight and a half, nine. And, awesome. uh, and and you know we went back and forth with both boys. Katie definitely helped uh, Kale get through. They did a mile walk, mile jog. You know, as being an eight and a half, nine year old doing a thirteen mile run in three hours is pretty impressive. You know, they were they were down here this past weekend. We did, uh, we did we we did the virtual Ironman together. Katie and I rode first on the on the kickers on the trainers. We set their bikes up so the boys could ride. Me and Katie did a workout while they were riding. I thought I put both boys up on the same course, but Cooper was standing up. Paddling, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, this thing's at 14% incline. And I'm like, what course are you on? You know, and uh, apparently I put him on the wrong course. So, in his 12 and a half miles, he did uh, about a thousand feet of climb, and KL got to do about 800. But they they embrace it, and they're very thankful after it's done. And Sunday, we rode 31 miles together. on the bike
2: unbelievable how do you get them conditioned you must have started when they were young how do you condition kids to actually get excited about waking up on a saturday and going for a 13 mile run you
0: know it's i think i don't think as a parent we always give our kids our kids enough credit for how good they can be if if we don't necessarily give them option not to succeed you know, <laughs> I I, th- I think you just you just give them the option to succeed, and that's they're, they're gonna succeed at it. You know, instead of if you could have offered not to go or go, you know, it might not have worked as well. But you know, you just this is what we're doing today. <laughs> and they, you know, they they, they both knocked out fourteeners this year. You know, Cooper Cooper got two fourteeners in. Kale got Mount Sherman in. And for a kid that has altitude sickness you know he knocked it out it was amazing and and he never got sick and very proud of him
1: yeah i'm laughing cuz the my first the first time i ran 13 miles i was 47 years old so <laughs> they're a little ahead of me <laughs> what what would you tell brad what you know I, i'm sure there's listeners going i can't even get my my kids off the couch and i can't get them to stop playing you know video games or something do you have any advice for how do you get them I don't know moving a little bit more and, and out of the house
0: start doing a daily walk with them do your daily mile daily yeah. walk daily mile yeah oh it does have to be a walk I mean just walk just go get a moon you know every every January we do a daily mile you just have to do one intentional mile you could walk it run it whatever you need to do but it needs to be one intentional mile for every day in january and and the boys have always done the last couple of years we got a pretty amazing group that's following us on Facebook that we do every year and it's and after uh, so many days, you know, what, what is it, 13 or 20 days of uh, everyday occurrence, it becomes a habit, uh, and that's just what it is. It's just positive reinforcement of good habits.
1: I like that, and I like the message of, of start small. You know, many people come to me and say, how do I get to where you are, and that's my advice to them as well is, is, is start small and build from there. And if, it, if it's one-mile walk, then that's great. Just get moving. So I'm with you, Brad. I'm not <laughs> I'm still working on perfecting my craft, but I've come a long ways just by doing things like that. I'm making it a habit and starting small.
2: It's such great I love that you're sharing all this. I just think it's incredible parenting advice just hearing you say some of these things. And the only other question I have on it is do you think that I mean we're in a very we're all in our 40s and 50s and we're, we're Brad, I don't know if you're 40 yet. Sorry, I didn't mean to lump you into our horrible category. Uh, Okay. (laughs) You know, we grew up in a little bit different way than than kids in the last uh, two generations have. And what do you you think kind of bringing more of the non-game playing, non-Netflix time and really kind of giving the kids a chance to excel on a level that you're letting your kids do? Do you think that kind of helps Bring them into a different sense of adulthood, and maybe more of a, a mental place that you're in, where you're choosing to see things in a more positive light and push a little harder.
0: I, I think what what they have learned through their their pushes through the difficulties of, of say climbing Sonitas or climbing Mount Sherman or, or going for a 30 mile bike ride that there are ups and downs to this book, to this to this event, which which is like, just like I said earlier, life has ups and downs but you need to learn to overcome that situation in that bike ride where where life is a struggle where where you didn't quit at that struggle and you kept moving forward and you you accomplished this ride you know i'm i'm a very emotional individual cooper's a lot like me and after he has finished some of his races he's been emotional and and broke down and cried, and I've been the same way because just the feeling of accomplishment is is amazing. You know, being in, when I finished Boulder Ironman, running running down that red carpet, man, I was like an airplane. I was trying to hit as many hands as I could coming in there, like eleven hours. But I wanted to take my time coming through there. You know, I I wanted to uh, I wanted I worked hard for that moment. I wanted to make it last, and I was proud of it. And I, I think they have felt the same thing out of their accomplishments, be it be a five k or ten k or the half marathon or. Or just their bike ride, you know, like, man, I didn't know I could do 31 miles, you know, I'm like, you guys can do so much, you know, it's just trying to instill that they they can do these things, you know, and I, I just pray and hope that, that 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 just moves past the games and just brings it on to life, you know, that they can accomplish what they set out to do.
1: Uh, and that's such a great message. I think for all of our listeners, not you don't have to be a, a, a teenager to to get that. We are capable. This is something I've learned in, in the last few years, and much of it because of Brad. That we are capable of much more than we think we are, and to see your sons doing, you know, things that that I know a lot of adults that don't do. I think that that's pretty amazing, and hopefully that translates to life lessons, like you said. Of yeah, life is tough sometimes, and what are you gonna do? You know, when when it becomes tough, what what's your what's your response to that? And so, hopefully, you're teaching them those lessons through. You know, this is through exercise, but there's a lot of ways you can learn that.
2: Super awesome.
1: I, I appreciate you guys listening. I'm gonna put Brad on the spot a little bit. I will tell you that Brad is a coach. Maybe I'm gonna put myself on the spot a little bit here that. If all goes well, and that and there's a lot of things that need to fall into place, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make another. I, I had a, a failed attempt at uh, Leadville 100 last year, and I'm going to take another run at it, and Brad is going to help me get to that finish line this time. I, I'm confident, and so he'll be coaching me along the way in that pursuit so if you are looking for an endurance coach i can tell you i know somebody that's that's pretty darn good and and the, the great thing about brad is he's a lot of fun when it really sucks he, he's got a good attitude and a, and a good smile i am grateful for our friendship
0: thank you yeah i was keep moving forward it wasn't a failure it was a little setback
1: <laughs> yes yes we, we won't call it a failure it was a setback I, i'm not there yet as i like to say that's growth mindset right I will get there. All right. Anything that you want to add, Tara?
2: Hey, Brad, thanks for, thanks for spending the time with us. And seriously, thanks for opening up a lot of your personal life and your personal mantras. I think it's, it's really helpful for not only Ron and I, but everybody that's listening. And we ask all of our guests at the end of the show the same question. You know that our show revolves around mental toughness, being resilient, and finding grit we're about ready to go into a really tough month here in the United States of November and going into winter time and a lot going on. What advice around mental toughness, resilience and grit do you have for people right now that they can build into their daily lives?
0: Uh, I I think, uh, I I think to stay strong and I think replace the bad thoughts. If we can do one good thing every day and to stay positive, I think we can, We we can all do better and stay nice, be positive, and uh, (laughs) keep moving forward. You know, that's what we got. Keep moving forward with a smile.
2: Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. If you didn't, let's just forget this happened, and we'll try again next week. Until then, join the revolution to forge metal and connect with us on social media.